Hey, thanks for being a part of the conversation. Let's do some pod crashing. Episode number 246 is with Andrea and Ashley from Betrayal, season two. Hey, congratulations on on a new season of Betrayal, season number two, which is now available on iHeartRadio. You know what's really interesting about this? It's a conversation starter. And I, I know that guys are going to feel guilty because guys tend to keep a lot of secrets. But but the thing is, though, is that maybe, and I'm hoping and praying, that it clears hearts, that it clears the way for there to be conversations. Yeah, I agree. Um, and thanks for having us. Um, that's kind of when we first started this project, um, and I wrote into the Betrayal podcast after listening to season one, Jen's story. Uh, that's what I found was kind of lacking is, you know, everybody wants to read about it and, you know, do their investigating on the internet on who it was and why they did it, but nobody really wants to talk about it. And I felt really isolated. Um, so I was really grateful for Andrea and her team, you know, telling my story and, you know, doing it in such a, a patient and, um, I don't know, appropriate way. Yeah. I mean, I guess I'm sorry, Era. I remember last season we talked about Jen's story with you. Yeah. And after that aired, we had gotten so many emails from listeners of Jen's story that wrote in with similar stories to Ashley, women who had found things on their com- husband's computer and were concerned and confronted with this idea of turning their husband in, um, and we noticed that there was this increase, this this um, like dark side of society where husbands were doing this, women didn't know what to do, and we felt like we had to tell this story and explore this type of crime, husbands in possession of child sexual assault material. Mm-hmm. And Ashley's story was compelling and dramatic and heartbreaking, and I felt like was a really interesting entry into that conversation that you spoke to earlier. It's like, how do we actually talk about this issue, which is really a public health crisis in a way that makes you care about the individuals that are going through it? Yeah. Andrea, you you, you dive into this in, in, in the way of bringing the entire story forward. This isn't just sitting down with a writing instrument and, and basically writing out your thoughts. You bring people to the studio or you go to them with the, with the equipment to get that story to grow forward. Right. Yeah, we um we went out to Salt Lake in December and met with Ashley and another a few other women who have similar stories and met Ashley's family and her community and met with a ton of law enforcement from of all, you know, from the state level to the federal level and just really wanted to uncover everything from how the state's handling this, how the federal level's handling these types of crimes and we really just you know, had, we were there for almost two weeks, Ashley, right? Yes. And um, it was really intense and heavy, but it, it's important. Ashley, you put your children first. There are many marriages that don't do that, where the, the, the wife will go, this is my husband first, then you guys come along. So it's very interesting to see where you, where you were standing on that. Yeah, um, and it is interesting to think about because even, um, you know, I... I received and I'm still receiving a little bit of backlash from my husband's family because, you know, I am a wife first and my kids are going to leave someday. And, um, you know, and we we talked to a a gentleman from the UK that runs um, a foundation called Lucy Faithful. 
and he was giving us some statistics and he said that about 50% of people that go through this in the UK actually go back to their partner, which I thought was crazy because for Mm -hmm. me, it was, it was a no brainer. I mean, there wasn't a choice that this is just what, what I, this is what had to be done. How do you discover all of these stories, Andrea, in, in the way that it's like there, there's so much that needs to be shared, but you, at the same time, you've also got to protect someone's heart, ju- just like Ashley. Yeah, I mean, like I said, we had gotten so many emails with women that had similar stories to Ashley. And then when when we started talking to her, I mean, what Ashley had to go through from the moment that she discovered what was on her husband's computer to actually hours later having him apprehended was an extraordinary like 24 hours for a woman to go through. I mean, Ashley Mm -hmm. was sitting there trying to process the ending of her marriage, how she was going to take care of three kids, um, feeling like, you know, what I find so interesting is you have these women and these partners that feel like they are betraying their partner by turning them in. It's a really interesting dynamic when the partner is the one that's breaking the law, violating the safety of their home. But these women who are doing the right thing are made to feel like they're the ones doing something wrong. So it's really interesting dynamics at play. And I just thought Ashley was such a open and receptive person to have tough conversations and just share her life. I mean, it's really brave of her to do this. So, um, you know, just reading the emails and having the initial conversations with Ashley, that's why we, we started off with her story. So, Ashley, uh, when, when she's talking about, you know, when, when you have to you know decide what is happening in that moment, you know, it is your husband, it is your family. The police have their story. Where do you find truth and trust in your own heart when there's so many different things coming at you at one time? What do you believe? Right. So there's an interesting dynamic to my my story um, and we cover it in episode two, Blood Ties, because when I first found out, I went to a trusted family member of his that was a police officer. Yeah. And his initial response was, uh, you don't know for sure that's what you saw. You know, don't go jump off the deep end and tell everybody. Um, and so there's that dynamic too, where maybe there's others in, you know, you're in, in especially mine in my familiar circle that, there, it, they couldn't even comprehend it. There's no way. There's no way he could have done this. And so to kind of reconcile that in my own heart and in my own head, um, it wasn't until, I mean, I think the grieving process is so interesting for each and it's it's really an individual experience. But for me, um, it wasn't until about two months after. So he had served uh, 30 days in and then was out. Mm on a uh, pre-trial and we were going for I don't, one of our one of our dumb court dates um, to schedule another court date and I found the discovery uh, papers of the case and that basically outlines everything that law enforcement found um, in a detailed manner and it wasn't until then that when I read the the depth of what he had done not just to capture these photos of these young children, um, but also that he had recorded my daughter. Mm. And that that's when it kind of, that's when I knew the truth right then. And that's when it kind of 
really set off for me that, you know, every, our, our marriage and our life, there was no way of going back. There was no way of, you know, the only thing I could do from this point forward was fight, fight for those girls, fight for my daughter, fight for my other kids. So, yeah. So many people, though, what they do, they become cold hearted. It's almost like they want to shame themselves and, and put themselves in a position of disbelief and denying the situation from happening. But you kept digging. You kept going into an area where you needed answers right now. Yeah, I'd like to maybe give a little credit to um, I studied criminal justice Ooh. and have always been super intrigued by, you know, the criminal mind in general. And so. Um, which was really confusing for me that this had been going on, you know, in my own home and I had no idea. Um, so probably a good thing I didn't go into criminal justice. Um, but yeah, I, I did. I just, I had to, I had to know the answers. I, there was really uncomfortable questions that I felt like if I knew the answer to that, um, it would give me more of a foundation to just, you know, be cold and be awful. But the truth of it is, is, you know, when somebody, let's say when somebody passes away, you had, you kind of have to deal with that finality of maybe never getting answers for anything, but it's even worse when somebody doesn't pass away and you know, you will never get a true answer. What about the siblings in the way of, because I I don't know why my mother and father divorced. She never would ever tell me. It's like he had to have done something wrong. Somewhere along the line, do you tell your children what went wrong here and what was taking place? Or are you going to be like my mother and just try to keep it away from me for the rest of my life? You know, I think initially uh, for a lot of women in my situation, you know, we want to, in in any area of our lives, protect our children. Um, from hurting, right? Uh, and I've always had pretty open conversations, age appropriate for with the kids. And my initial thought for the first 48 hours was, I'm not going to tell them a thing. They can never know about this. Yeah. They can, they can just think that he had a mental breakdown and that was it. Uh, but we're in a different era, era of cell phones and social media and um, everything's at their fingertips. And once our story hit the local news. Um, it, it, I knew, I knew there was no hiding. I knew I had to, I had to tell them. I mean, even my youngest child, um, I don't think she quite understands what it means to have, um, you know, explicit images of children. You know, I, I don't really think she gets what that means, uh, but she will one day. And so we've had some we've had really, really hard conversations with that, with the children, because they deserve to know. And if we don't have those conversations, then, you know, the chances of history repeating itself, I'm not saying with my children, but just in general, um, you know, is, is far greater. So those, those conversations, I'm so grateful that I had them early on because I don't know if I, I don't know if I would have had the courage to do it. Mm-hmm. Andrea, one thing, one of the things that we need to talk about is the SASS. How important are the, you know, is this and how, you know, is it something that um, everybody can get a hold of? Um, 
Do you mind rephrasing the question, Arrow? I'm not sure I know what you mean. Basically, uh, you 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 cover the SASS in, inside your, your podcast, and it's one of those, you know, because, I mean, because you're creating a community with, with Betrayal, season uh, one and yeah. season two. And and the thing is, is that you're going to have your followers. You're going to have those that want to share their story. And and so I, I, I want when, when listeners see and hear about the SASS, they, they need to know what it is. I think that the the number one thing about this community is just and and last season was, you know, a whole different story, right. but every, you know, there are women like Ashley and what they're going through that related to I'm living with someone, something happens and I realize that they're essentially a stranger and there's a ton of betra- betrayal trauma that's involved. There's a ton of um like identity things that they have to work through. Um, In this particular instance, I think what in terms of the community and just education, Ashley mentioned it earlier where, you know, she's trying to have conversations with her kids. But the reality is, you know, I'm 36. I'm just learning about a whole new issue, which is child sexual assault material, which no one wants to talk about. And the reality is, is that there were 29 million tips just last year alone and it's a public health crisis. Yes. And so when I was going through material and I was sitting at the, U- the former U.S. Attorney's Office, John Huber, um, talking about this issue and what he had to deal with as U.S. Attorney of Utah, and I was reading what actually this material is, I realized I-, I don't actually understand it. These are crimes that have been committed. These are pictures of crimes that have been committed. And so our fundamental understanding of what these things are and really what we need to do and be aware of um, what this is, is really entering this issue into a larger conversation that no one is having. So I think that number one, this podcast is trying to explain that having healthy conversations with your partner about their interests, what they're consuming and exploring those conversations first and foremost is a really good step. I think some people don't even wanna touch like, hey, what are you looking at online? What are those interests of you? There, it's it's a, it's a world where people don't really understand, and it's not super well studied because it's just the way it is. But just to start having initial conversations with your partner can help be helpful. But you're absolutely right. I mean, here in North Carolina, you're constantly reading about these predators and they're being arrested. They're school teachers, they're preachers. They, and you go, you go, what happened here? Because I'll, I'll tell you what happens on the other side. When I want to go and do something, they put such an investigation on me because they want to make sure that I am not. And so it's, it, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling both sides of it here. Those that are busted and those that are going, I didn't do anything. Let, can, can well, I, what, I just want to volunteer my time. Right. And the one of the biggest things that I learned through doing this season was I always thought that the book was being thrown at these offenders. Yeah. Right. So like you see these headlines of, you know, principal or vice principal being arrested for, quote unquote, child pornography. Just the words child pornography is a problem because you're kind of putting it in the category of adult material, which it is not. There, these are pictures, these are videos of crimes being committed against non-consenting children. That's the issue number one. And then number two, um, you know, you see these headlines and you're like, oh my God, they're gonna be going away for for years. And then working with Ashley, I realize that these individuals, the offenders are only going away for maybe a year. There's just not enough prison cells in the country right. to really 
hold all these people that are consuming this material. And so, you know, within a year, Ashley's ex-husband will be out. And what does that mean for the community? And it's just kind of this area of the judicial system that people aren't really focusing on. And the problem is, is like, I know this is a tough conversation, Arrow. I know that it's hard and I know that people are just like, oh no, I don't want to talk about this. But when I realized that these offenders are only going away for like a year, maybe six months, I mean, Ashley was afraid her husband wasn't going to do any time. Oh boy. Um, That's just the reality. That's the reality. Wow. Ashley, May has always been known as Mental Health Month. I believe that Mental Health Month is every month. How there's going to be listeners that are tuning in right now mm-hmm. to hear your story, especially with this with the podcast season number two, and they're going to want to know where to go to get mental health. Mental health has gone to the computer. Some of these people you can't even get in to see. What do you suggest for these women that need help? And because I, who wants to talk on a computer? Right, right, yeah. That, it is interesting. Um, my. Uh, my therapist is uh, Jessica Baum, and she's a part of the podcast as well. Um, she's she wrote a really really great book. Uh, I think it's called uh, Anxiously, anxiously, anxiously Attached. Yeah, Anxiously Attached, and it is such a great book um, because it helps you understand um, the reasons behind some of maybe the reasons why you've made the decisions that you've made um, and the different adaptive strategies that you came up with as a child that have, you know, made their way into adulthood. So I guess like my, my answer is if, you know, cause mental health uh, help is expensive. Yeah. I mean, it's so expensive and I firsthand, I mean, um, having all three children, going to therapy and plus myself, I mean, it's time consuming, it's expensive. So I say for those women who are those people in general who can't get in or can't afford it, um, you know, start investigating yourself, start reading. Um, my biggest thing was, although I know some of these, you know, social media communities or, um, even local, you know, self-help communities like AA or um, Celebrate Recovery, um, although they're not specific to what I have dealt with, they have been super, super helpful and they're free and I found community there. Um, But that's really what I think it comes down to is really finding somebody that can listen to your story um, without judgment and really sometimes without questions, just letting you talk um, as you process whatever it is that you know, whatever trauma you've gone through. Mm. Andrea, what is your secret sauce in the way of how do you take something so tragic and make it a story and put it into a podcast with several episodes? Because, you know, so many people would say, oh, it's a Debbie Downer. No, this is not a Debbie Downer. This is a real story. And you have this way of keeping us connected. I think that you said it just now. We lead from a place of connection. What Ashley went through and the hours and the days that she kind of lived and existed while she was trying to keep her family together, people can gravitate towards that and access that emotionally. And from there, we can tackle a larger conversation. So we always try to explore these stories from the human and victim perspective. And we start there. And that's kind of the entry point to discuss something larger 
and maybe the audience would be receptive to learning something a little bit more that mm-hmm. they would usually like say, mm, I don't know about that. But yeah. that's usually how we approach it. Wow. You've got to come back to this show anytime in the future. The door is always going to be open for you. Aw. Thanks, Arrow. Thank, Thank you, Arrow. You be brilliant today, okay? I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks to you, too.